Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2075. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in New York City with a very special guest by the name of David Parisman. David, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I absolutely am. Thank you for having me, Mark. All right. Now, no doubt you are buckled up and in a safe place because today we're going to be talking about accidents, how to avoid accidents, and an amazing career you've had helping people who've been in accidents. But before we talk about that, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, David? Probably one thing that people don't know about me because they know me from my adult life And I'll speak about it later when you asked about, I know you're going to ask me about challenges I've had. When I was uh, a young man at the age of 15, I was uh, quite ill for a few years and uh, for a period of time unable to walk. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that uh, I can't even. And especially at that age which is a time where you're really starting to blossom and get out there and, and be active yeah. and sports yeah. and all that kind of thing. Well, we'll save the rest of that story for when uh, we get to that question. But wow, I'm glad that uh, everything is well. And obviously, you've been around for a long time. So uh, you got through that very tragic time in your life and uh, and moved forward and become very successful. And I'm happy for that. Let me give you a, a proper introduction. David Parisman, founder and lead trial attorney of the Parisman Firm has dedicated over 40 years of his life to advocating for personal injury plaintiffs in New York City and Long Island. Since 1983, his firm has recovered over a half a billion dollars in high-stakes personal injury litigation involving catastrophic construction accidents, motor vehicle and premises accidents, civil rights violations, and medical negligence. In recognition of the National Distracted Driving Awareness Month, David is here to share some valuable lessons he learned over the years to maybe keep you listeners out of ending up in a situation like he's seen over his life. This year, in recognition of a groundbreaking of his groundbreaking work in and out of the courtroom, David has been named a Best Lawyers 2022 Personal Injury Litigation Plaintiffs Lawyer of the Year awardee in Long Island, New York. Congratulations, David. Wow, that's very cool. We'll be back. You're welcome. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. So give them a little love. Keep your seatbelts on, stay safe, and we'll be right back. You know I've been an advocate for Covercraft products to protect my vehicles for decades, but did you know that they also offer you top quality products for your boats and watercraft? Covercraft puts their quality design, manufacturing, and fabrics into their full cover bimini tops, T-tops, boat lift covers, outboard motor covers, personal watercraft, and accessories. Protect your marine toys from damaging UV ray, and you'll get the same high-quality fit and finish you've come to know for your road vehicles for your watercraft. And I've got a great offer for you as well. As usual, use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off, and you get some free shipping too. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you on the road and even on the water. Visit Covercraft.com today. 
I recently learned about Zengen after having Matt Spurlock as my guest here on Cars Yeah. It's an oil analysis kit that allowed me to sample my engine's oil and learn about its inner health with my own personalized and detailed Zengen report. It's only $39.95 and the shipping is free both ways. Your Zengen oil analysis costs less than an oil change. I ordered two sample kits and discovered their easy-to-use process took me less than five minutes to collect my vehicle sample and mail it back to their world-class labs. In only five days, Zengen sent me a link via email to my very own personalized Zengen score. My custom report measures 30 different data points, including contamination, metals, lubricants, additives, and a whole lot more. I was so relieved to learn that my vehicles, well, they're doing just fine. And I've got a deal for you. Go to ZengenScore.com and use the code CARSYA20 and you'll get 20% off your first two kits. What a deal. And this makes a great Father's Day gift as well. So get your dad his very own Zengen kit. Preventative knowledge and maintenance could save you or dad thousands of dollars and you'll rest better at night knowing that your Zengen score means your engine is in perfect condition. That's ZengenScore.com and use the code CARSYA20 today to get 20% off. Zengen, it'll put your mind at ease. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled or stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. They're the ones that insure my car. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, David, we're back. So this is going to be a little different show for Cars Yeah, because you don't work in the automotive industry like most of my guests, but you're involved in that industry and how it affects people who've been in accidents. And until I was uh, introduced to you, I didn't even know that there really was a National Distracted Driving Awareness Month. One of these things that you go, well, aren't we supposed to all be more aware when we're at the wheel, but a lot of people are not, and you've seen the worst of the worst. So let me start by asking you this. What made you decide in a career in law to focus on this part of the law? The law, And, and really what you're doing is helping a whole lot of people that are in a very tough situation. Well, the law is a, a, a complicated animal. Many parts of it can be not just complicated, but they become mundane. And I never could see myself sitting in an office forever, moving paper around from the left side of my desk to the right side of my desk. I wanted to see a courtroom. And if you want to see a courtroom, truth be told, at least in New York, the only attorneys who really see courtrooms and really get to engage in trials 
are criminal attorneys. Um, and that doesn't mean they're criminals. They criminal <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> they prosecute or defend criminal cases and personal injury lawyers and civil rights lawyers. And I went towards the latter because I just wasn't interested in uh, criminal defense work. And I didn't want to be a DA either. Yeah. You know, I was on a jury last year, a trial that lasted about a week. And it'd been a while since I'd been on a jury. And I always felt that it was important for any of us to go do that. I mean, at least once in your life to help our institution of law and so forth. And it was very interesting. But what I what I found, and you mentioned this, is those of us who are not attorneys and aren't in courtrooms, we've gotten used to the Hollywood version of courtrooms. And it was so different and so boring, actually. Um, and the, the attorneys were not very eloquent, like the movie stars, because they didn't have, you know, perfect scripts and so forth. But what I found very interesting about it was the jury process and sitting in that room and I ended up getting selected. I don't know how it, that happened because they just all pointed to me uh, as the head of the jury. And uh, the whole thing was pretty fascinating. But back to what you're doing, and I really want to focus today on tips that you can provide for our listeners that would help them stay out of a courtroom. So they, not that we don't want to see you, but maybe we want to see you over dinner, not in a courtroom or at a car show, of course. So maybe you could walk us through a few things that relate to cases you've seen that really could have been avoided and ended up in tragedy and cost and time and all these different things. And I, I've got kind of a hit list here, but the top one that seems to be to me when it comes to driving and streets is distraction, right? That is the number one cause of motor vehicle accidents is someone either being distracted or otherwise not paying attention to what there is to pay attention to. I would venture to guess that 90% of accidents happen as a result of something like that, whether it's a rear end collision, a left turn in front of somebody, a right turn from the left-hand lane, a stop sign case, a red light, green light case. They all involve somebody who's not paying attention. Now, there are circumstances where someone is really paying attention and they're noticing that the light is about to turn green and they step on the gas before it turns green. That's not distracted. That's... Um, Foolish. Yes. <laughs> Just plain foolish, unfair, negligent, uh, in some cases reckless. Some of the things that are obvious to listeners, but maybe you can enlighten us on some of the things that maybe are not. Uh, first thing are these little devices we all hold in our hands now that we can't seem to go anywhere without. And, and I'm a victim of that as well. In fact, I recently went to a car show down in La Jolla, my old hometown. And it's the first time I've gone to a car show, honestly, probably in decades that I didn't bring my camera. I just brought my phone and I tried my best to just leave it in my pocket. And I did that because I found that using a camera or my phone to take pictures all the time distracted me There's that just from enjoying the people I was meeting in the show. And it gave me a very different perspective on going to a show, but it relates well to cars because these phones, these devices, I would say is the number one problem, right? I don't know statistically if it's the number one problem, but I would not be surprised if it is today the number one cause of distracted driving. That's why there are signs all over the road. Put your phone down. Pay attention to the road. 
even when you're using hands-free, you're still conducting a conversation while you're driving. And while uh, people conduct conversations with other passengers in the car while they're driving, which can also be distracting, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but it can also be distracting. For some reason, when people get on that phone uh, and they get lost in a conversation, even if they're using, if even if they're using hands-free, they can become distracted from what they need their attention to be focused on, which is the road, because pristine conditions don't always exist. Things happen on the road, whether it's a pothole that you didn't see something, an object in the middle of the road, or some other driver who's just not conducting themselves properly, you're driving along on the highway, and some fool in front of you decides to change lanes and cut you off all of a sudden, or somebody goes through a red light, or somebody goes through a stop sign, or somebody starts the ball rolling, and you have the opportunity to avoid it if you're attentive to your driving. I know for myself, that in a lot of situations, the way I drive today, after having tried so many of these automobile accident cases, is different than the way I, uh, I drove years ago, because I know that when you're coming to an intersection, for example, and there's a car facing you, and they got their left turn signal on, they might swing that turn in front of you. And I tend to slow down, and say, okay, if you're going to cut me off, you can cut me off. But I want to make sure that I don't end up in an accident because it's no, no use except to your lawyer to say you got involved in an accident and it wasn't your fault. So you're still involved in the accident. When I was in high school, I had a friend whose father was a plastic surgeon. And I rolled up into her driveway to visit her one day and I had an old Carmen Ghia that only had a lap belt. It was a 67. They didn't make three-point harnesses back then. And he made a comment to me. He said, you know, that's a really dangerous thing. Is there any way to put a better seatbelt in that car? And I said, well, I don't know. I'll have to look into it. And he said, I want to show you something. And he brought me inside and he opened a book of patients whose faces had gone into dashboards, steering wheels, and windshields. To this day, those images are still in my mind. I'll bet you. He did it to make an impact. And I actually went out and bought a four four-point racing harness, and I put it in that car. And uh, years later, when I sold that car to a friend, she was hit by a drunk driver. And as I visited her in the hospital, because that car was not protective, uh, her mom said, that goofy seatbelt you put in that car saved her life, according to the fireman that cut her out of that car. Thank God. Yeah, but my point being is when we realize, and you've seen it in the courtroom, you've seen the pictures, you've seen the, the tragedy, the leftovers, that it's so important. And I know for listeners, this is probably just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yawn, yawn. I've heard this before, but we're all guilty of that phone. Smartwatches are another one, even a radio in some cases, but you know, the phones are the phones are really a problem. The other thing I wanted to have you touch on was maybe a couple tips for parents that they could really instill into their teen driver's minds on how to stay focused and safe because teenagers typically don't want to listen to their parents. They know everything, right? And uh, <laughs> the way it is. Yeah. But I, I shared with you something I did with my two kids when they were teens was I drafted up a contract, a driving contract between me and them. And the rules of engagement. And uh, they both kind of said, well, are my friends never have to do this? And I said, well, I guess our parents don't care about them. <laughs> that made, it, made an impression. But what are some things and tips that 
you've seen of tragedies and teen accidents that you can share with us today. And some of this may seem obvious, but I'm hoping it gets a few listeners who have teams, teens to stop and think and have that important discussion with them, a serious discussion uh, so that they understand how dangerous cars can be. I mean, they're going fast, right? Unfortunately, the problem comes from the fact that our bodies mature faster than our psyches do. (laughs) And while you're old enough to now drive a motor vehicle, you're not really old enough to understand that you're not uh, what they used to call in that card game, Mealborn, coupe ferret, puncture proof. You're not made of stainless steel. You're made of skin and bone. And you and other people can be injured. And sometimes the only way that teens learn by unfortunate circumstances, and even then they don't always learn, because their minds aren't geared towards it. They don't want to listen. And a lot of it has to do in terms of where your teen will go. Is that particular teen's personality. You know, you're going to have your careful child and you're going to have your not so careful child. But I think that your idea is a great one uh, to sit down and some fashion, some way to impress upon them that you're driving a couple of thousand pounds of steel at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour and more. And for them to understand a vehicle at 60 miles an hour can cause so much damage. Yeah. You know, you can show them movies, videos of things where cars crash, but They're so used to seeing it on TV. They flip cars over on TV like it's going out of style. And all four victims miraculously walk out. Right. You know, because it's television. Or if somebody does get seriously injured or die in one of those accidents, it's TV. They turn it off afterwards. And what did it mean? So I like your idea. And I think it's a good thing to sit down with your teen when they get when they start to drive and they're going, getting their learner's permit that you impress upon them that there are a lot of other people on the road who are not necessarily going to drive properly. And you have to drive defensively. You have to be prepared for that. You cannot drive defensively if you're doing 40 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour zone. Because the reason the speed zones are set as they are is so that you do have adequate opportunity to do something about it. When you drive fast and someone stops short, if you're, if you, unless you're hyper aware and you're a really good driver, you're going to hit them in the rear. Exactly. You know, the other thing I did with my kids was I sent them to a defensive driving school, which they have across the country. BM- oh, that's great. BMW has a great one as well, and it, it's not a racing school. It teaches them all these different situations they're going to get into from fast braking to dropping a tire off into the dirt and not 
ending up going across two lanes and hitting a car head on. Uh, All these things are really simple things to do, and they're actually fun for the teens. My kids enjoyed it, and they both told me that that defensive driving school saved them on many occasions uh, when they ran into similar situations. It was like when I got my, my license to ride motorcycles. They taught you basically that you're invisible and everyone's trying to kill you. And it's true. If you ever ride a motorcycle, that's the way you feel. But that course taught me things and ways to maneuver that uh, definitely saved me. Another one I thought was kind of interesting, but it makes sense to me because I'm a driver. I used to race cars, I understand, was wearing improper shoes when you're driving a car because they can create a big problem, right? Well, certainly I don't understand how young women nowadays who have these huge platforms are, are able to feel the accelerator and the gas appropriately. I haven't heard anything about accidents as a result of it, but it makes you wonder. But listen, I'm guilty of it myself. I love driving around in the summer in my flip-flops. Oh, yeah. But flip-flops are not the greatest shoes for driving because they can get caught on something. They can get caught on the, on the mat. They can get caught on the brake. They can get caught on the accelerator. And your feet are not as secure in them as they should be. Right. Yeah, most definitely. And another thing is, do you have any, we don't have to have exact statistics and numbers, but distracted driving among age groups. Do you see correlation to distracted driving in certain age groups? I mean, we're picking on young people here, but they don't have the experience. They, and sometimes they don't have the wherewithal to understand that that speed factor. My guest yesterday was Tom Gloy, who's had a career as long of, of yours, but he's in racing. And he said something that I've never heard from a racer say, I'm amazed at how people drive on the roads going very fast on freeways, doing things that I know if they just tap another car is going to create mayhem because I've seen it on the track in race cars. And people just don't realize that 60, 70, 80 miles an hour on a road, one little bad maneuver is going to end up cars rolling and people dying and so forth. But when it comes to age groups, are are there age groups that are a little bit more uh, prone to making mistakes? I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I know the statistics about that, but um, I, I, I would certainly think the people that you have to worry about the most amongst, I don't know if it's the most, but more are um, business people. R- really? Okay. I would never, never thought They're that. They're very busy. Ah. And they always feel the need to take care of their business while they're on the road. Ah, they get a text message, they want to respond. They get an email, they want to respond. They get a phone call that's going to require focus and concentration, they want to respond. They're easily distracted. I know myself. I used to drive into New York myself to go to work. And when I was on trial, that's a, a time when you're really wrapped up in your own and your client's head. And you're sitting there and I'm, you know, driving along to work and I'm saying, hmm, what did that guy say in his deposition about so-and-so? Mm, yeah. And I remember reaching into the back of the car, pulling out the deposition because traffic had slowed down really slowly and sitting and looking at it and rolling into a truck. Uh. And I, it, it happened more than once to me where I felt... I was endangering myself, so I stopped driving to work every day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, uh, when I'm on trial, 
when I'm in the middle of a trial, I have somebody come and get me and bring me home. And it actually works quite well because then I can really sit in the back of the car and prepare my case. You know, and with all the uh, the new things like Ubers and um, driving services that we have nowadays, I've done the same thing. Like when I'm leaving for a trip and I'm still trying to get a few things done, it's so much nicer to just sit in the backseat of a car and get that work done for that hour, hour and a half drive to the airport versus trying to think about all that. Am I getting there on time? All these different things. Uh, now we have all these options we didn't have before. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very smart thing. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to get back into that challenge question that we talked about. So uh, keep that in mind and we'll be right back. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. So when we, or when I introduced you, David, you talked about a very challenging time in your life. And uh, maybe you want to go a little deeper into this. And the reason I like to ask challenge questions on this show is really more about not the difficulty of the situation, but what did it teach you 
about life, about business, whatever it might be, and in your case, a personal difficulty with a health situation that you've carried forward into your life so that maybe somebody listening who's dealing with that can see the enlightened side of that situation versus what they're going through today. Well, what happened was when I was around 15 and a half years old, um, I came home one day after playing at the schoolyard, playing some ball, and my left knee was swollen. I went to a doctor. He tapped the fluid out of it. I came back again, and that started to repeat itself over and over. They put that big nasty needle in your knee, and they stick it in a place that you go, whoa, whoa, whoa where, where are you going with that needle? That's, yeah. there's, that's bone over there. That's yeah. It's not my butt or my arm. <laughs> yeah. And he would tap it, and it would refill. And they didn't know what to do about it, and they ended up doing a surgical procedure on it, and that was a failure and ended, uh, ended up in my leg being so stiff that I had to go to another surgeon who put me to sleep and bent it while I was asleep together with some other orthopedic surgeon who could bench press his body weight. That was, yeah, that was, oh. that was the most painful of all the surgeries I've been through. And I've been through a bunch and it ended up, it took a while for them to finally diagnose that what I had developed was an autoimmune disease called juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Oh my gosh. Um, it gradually spread to other joints in my body. And there were periods of time that, uh, that I missed two thirds of the school year had to get taught at home. I was in a, a significant amount of pain. Significant is a, a lawyer's word for a lot. Um, cause the disease is very painful. And it, it, it was a horrible time in my life because, um, you know, as, as we said when we spoke earlier, I was young. I was a young boy. That's the time in your life when you experience puberty and you want to start dating. And I can even see it till today when I look at the, my high school reunion stuff that comes up on Facebook and I see all the names. Everyone, I don't know that many people Yeah, because they weren't there. I wasn't there. I missed a good year and a half to two years of it. Um, what I got out of it was, first of all, I got lucky. Uh, they gave me a pill, um, which is no longer used. And I don't know if it was the pill or it was divine providence. Three weeks later, it was gone. Like, it, it was just gone. Wow. Holy cow. It left a lot of damage to my joints. But it was gone, and I was out playing ball and functioning, and, and thank God for that. One of the things it taught me is don't take anything for granted. <laughs> yes. And certainly don't take your health for granted. And be empathetic towards people who aren't as lucky as you are, not just in the way of health, but in all the ways of the world. Because there's a lot of people in the world who don't have what we have, don't have the health we have. You know, you're walking around, you're feeling bad about something one day, and then you see some guy jogging past you with a, a, a prosthetic leg and you go. Yeah, what am I complaining about? Yeah, but by the grace of God, go I. Yes. And the third, the third thing I think I learned, if it's the third or fourth I'm stating, is um, because I had to do a tremendous amount of rehab to get myself back from the surgeries, from the stiffness, 
that if you fight hard enough, it's amazing what you can overcome and what you can do. Just put your mind to it. You know, wonderful lessons out of a tragic situation. You know, I'm really appreciative you shared such a personal part of your life because everybody at some point is going through something. And a lot of times we don't we don't stop to pay attention to that. Could be a family member, could be a friend, could be the person across the counter helping you get your coffee that morning or your meal. Um, yeah. And having that empathy is is so important in finding ways to just be kind, I think is what I heard you say. Be nice to people, right? Yeah. It, it, by the way, one of the things that I have to do when I try a case is explain to a jury what pain and suffering is and what disability is and why they should award my client a given amount of money. It really, it's a terrible way to acquire the information and the knowledge and the understanding, but getting sick and being disabled for a while, that'll teach you. Well, it taught you a valuable lesson. And you're right. If, if someone on that jury's never been through that situation, how do they know? So uh, they need to, they need to understand. You know, I want to talk a little bit about cars because you sent me a picture of yourself in a cool little Porsche. Uh, my my listeners know I'm a fan of Porsche, but is there one special car in your life that really stands out for you? And, and what is that or was that? And maybe share a story about it. Well, I can't say that I have a story to share about it, except that I want one. <laughs> and, and that is the silver with burgundy leather interior driven by James Bond. The Aston Martin. The DB5. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a glorious, a glorious motor vehicle. And I guess it means so much because, you know, when we were young, we watched and emulated James Bond because he was the coolest thing in a bow tie and uh, a white jacket. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Have you ever had an opportunity to r at least ride in one or maybe drive one? Yes. You have? Yes, okay. I have. Cool. And it's a delicious car. <laughs> delicious. A, I like it. It's delicious. <laughs> yeah, I was, again, uh, when I was down at the La Jolla Concours a few weeks ago, there was one on the lawn there. And uh, I was with my, I was fortunate enough to have my son with me. He's in his late 20s now. He's been to many car shows with me. He's been to Pebble Car Week with me 18 times now. But uh, we walked up to that. And, you know, that car trans goes over, I should say, many generations, because he's definitely many generations behind, a couple of generations behind me, at least. He goes, oh, James Bond's car. I mean, he just, you know, he knew it immediately. And you saw people standing there from uh, people of as mature as you and I uh, to little kids that looked at that car and go, oh, that's cool. Did the, the spinners come out and beat up the sides of the other car when he's driving? It, it, it's one of the things that that car company has managed to do is make a car slick, sleek, cool, and yet still always have a certain amount of classic lines, which to me, that's why I drive a Porsche, because Porsche has those classic lines. Um, not to speak ill of it, but you couldn't give me a vet. <laughs> well, we all get in our head what means classic means to us. And definitely Aston Martin, it's one of the best things they ever did, giving a car to that uh, uh, Broccoli, I believe, was the guy, the producer of that show. And uh, 
letting him use it in the movie because it has created an icon over the years. So I'm going to do today, David, what you try to do when you're in that courtroom, and that is get into people's heads. I'm going to try to get into your head here. I'm going to ask you a question I'm guessing no one's ever asked you. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, if you were manifest as a vehicle, and this isn't what you want to be, this is how you perceive the man in the mirror, who you are deep down inside, what would you be and why? I can't pin it to a particular brand, but I can pin it to the fact that it would be an antique car. Okay. A a classic of some sort. Yeah. And there are a lot of classics out there that are really beautiful cars. Um, I, I regard the old Porsche Targa as a classic. Certainly the DB5, the one that, um, that Bond drove in, that's a classic. Those kind of cars, um, I could feel myself being one of those. Even when you see people driving around nowadays with a 1960-something Chevy, um, that's a especially the convertibles. Those are classic cars, and that's sort of how I perceive of myself. Is that maybe because of at the uh, point in time you're in your life right now? Um, because I think we all, as car guys, look back on the cars of our youth, if you will. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and so those cars that I saw driving around, friends of my dad, my dad having, uh, actually he had a 49 MGTC when I was five, six years old. That's what started it for me. Is that why you think, because I think we all like to go back to our youth a bit, right? Maybe more so nowadays than in the past, but even when I was young, I had a greater appreciation of classic cars than my f- friends would. They'd see one of those slick Maseratis go by or those, you know, those real low riding Maseratis and, um, and Ferraris. And it, those cars never really tickled my fancy. When I, when I saw that Porsche Targa going by, that was that, that was, was it. Yeah, I love the sound of those cam chains. That's for sure. Is there a great book that you'd like to share with us that you've read of late? This could be fiction, could be car book, could be a law book, could be a health self help book, business book. One of the books that I enjoyed for some reason it stands out in my mind, and they made a movie out of it was uh, um, the Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay, yeah, there another. That was a book that for some reason. That stood out in my mind as as something for some reason at that time in my life, I seem to have enjoyed that more than other books I've read over the years. And of course, the movie they made about that had uh, Sean Connery in it, if I recall. Of course. Yeah. So that probably added to that. But uh, yeah, great book. Books are usually better than the movies anyway. They have a lot more detail and so forth. So before I let you go today, David, I want to uh, enable you to go on the ultimate ride. I'm going to buy you any car in the world. You can drive it anywhere in the world, and you can take anybody with you. And that includes somebody who's no longer with us, someone who's passed. What does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? Well, since you added the fact that I'm going to get to take somebody who doesn't exist anymore, my dad was um, a fan of cars, um, and he's from Europe, um, and he always wanted a Porsche but he never could afford one. Um, so if I were going to go on the ultimate ride, 
you would probably put me in a forest green saddle interior Porsche Targa from the 60s, 70s, and, 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 and let me take it around the track with my dad in the car. Ah, wouldn't that be nice? That would be pretty darn special. Well, David, you've uh, shared some very valuable information with us today, and I really appreciate that because um, if anything we did today, maybe got someone to stop and think a little bit about being safer on the road, and maybe in some way we've uh, helped somebody avoid or dodge a bullet that was coming their way uh, in the form of a traffic accident, because that's the last thing you want to want to have happen to you or anybody in your family. Is there a Success quote, a mantra, or some kind of inspiring words you can leave us with today? That's a tough question. You can never understand how much you can accomplish and what you can do unless you really put your full mind and effort to it. And the reason I say it is because I've had plenty of times in my life when there's a file, a case in my office, either I was an employee or now my own law firm where I got presented with a case and I looked at it and I went, wow, this one's trouble with a capital T. This is a problem. How are we going to overcome this problem? How are we going to overcome that problem? And if you gave me the time, I could regale you with stories of things that I've overcome in court. If nothing else, by saying one or two things in my summation that makes a jury think about something. And I can give you a quick story. It was a case we had where the defendants for some reason made a big deal about the fact that my client would go gambling all the time to Foxwoods. She was constantly at Foxwoods. They claimed the reason they were saying that was because they wanted to show that she's not that sick, but she's not that injured, but she didn't have the kind of injury that she couldn't get in a car and drive to Foxwoods and sit and pull a lever, or have some cards dealt at her. So the only reason they were doing it was to try and get the jury to not like her. You're a gambler. Don't give this woman money. She's a gambler. And, um, I had a conference with some of the people in my office and after talking to some of the people, I said to the jury, when they think about that, try to remember the fact that all they're trying to do is to reach deep down inside you and find that dark place. And when you think about whether you're going to find that dark place and it's going to affect you in this particular case, and you think about this gambling that she did, remember what Jesus said. Let he who hath not sinned be the first to cast a stone. <laughs> yes. And then I looked at them and I said, anybody here not sinned? I didn't think so. And the court officer actually came up to me and told me, you were in trouble until the very end of that trial because he heard the jurors talking and that turned them completely around. Yeah. Because it, it made them think, like we said earlier, what about it could what about your situation? You could be in this situation. Don't don't castigate others and don't think ill of others until you've looked at yourself. Right. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating story, but it makes a world of sense. 
How can people learn more about you, David? Well, I got a website, parisman.com, P-E-R-E-C-M-A-N.com, and that's got a whole bunch of stuff in it about um, my career starting back in, oh, 79 when I started handling cases and I was conducting trials by late 79, early 80, right through to the present. And we've built a substantial firm. I've been lucky enough to be named the super lawyer, best lawyers, U.S. News and World Report. As you mentioned, the uh, lawyer of the year in Long Island last year. So I've been very lucky and I've had a, a boatload of multi-million dollar results for my clients. And some of them in cases that were troubled. Mm -hmm. They had issues. Some people might have said my clients should not have won. But I'm not there to make a judgment of my client whether they should win or shouldn't win. I'm, I'm there to do everything within the law and within ethical bounds to win the case. And if you've, if, if you've got the guts and you're prepared to work hard, you get the glory. Yeah, there you go. As you said, anything can be accomplished uh, with hard work and effort. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Courtney Agato at the Rosin Group PR for introducing me to David. Courtney, thank you. She bring, brings me some great guests. David, thanks for sharing some important things with our listeners today. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks again, Mark. I really appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. This was enlightening. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.